0: And wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to D.L.C. Literally that time, a that time, especially if you are one of our geeks and sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run, or hey, maybe you're doing chores. Maybe you're walking the dog. Whatever the case, we're going to be in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free thanks to our patrons over at patreon.com slash DLC pod. They're bringing the show to you, making the show possible by supporting us, and in return they get cool stuff, including ad-free episodes. The video version of the show on demand and an entire bonus show called paid DLC, which we record on Wednesdays with our periodic awesome third chair, Lana Bashinsky. Get in on that. Check it out. Patreon.com slash DLC pod. The DLC, of course, the show all about games and their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Canada, the spell with two N's and one T, and I'm joined as always by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who's still digesting those Dodger dogs, Mr.
1: Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian! Uh, congrats on your fourth championship, Jeff. You had yes. a You had a big week. Um, <sighs> also
0: mm, such a Dang. wonderful i dude so much fun stayed up with my son uh, way past his bedtime watching the basketball game what a memory ah beautiful sorry go ahead
1: I was just going to say to all the developers out there, um, thank you for saving your big news for Tuesday as we were recording this (laughs) Monday morning, Um, you know, so thank you for that. I appreciate that. Also, happy belated Father's Day to fathers (laughs) and father figures uh, listening and Jeff to you and happy Juneteenth uh, to everyone as we're recording this here on Juneteenth celebrated here in the United States. Indeed, indeed. Big
0: weeks, big weeks. And uh thanks everybody for the the cool feedback about our summer of games coverage. We appreciate it. Uh, we we'll can continue to evolve that as we go forward, but we appreciate that. Uh, we got lots more to talk about. the the news continues more <laughs> there were more conferences, more virtual uh, conferences, more news to discuss, and lots of big games coming out, uh, one of Christian's most anticipated games of the entire year. We'll talk all about it, but we have, ladies and gentlemen, a fantastic guest to do that with. You know, the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, I'm so excited because for the first time, DLC stands for Delving Long into the Cosmos. Because from the Into the Ether podcast, we have
2: podcaster extraordinaire, Brendan Bigley, joining us for the first time. Hey, Brendan. Hey, so wonderful to be here. Thank you guys so much. I've been listening to the show since it started. So this is uh pretty surreal. So stoked to be here. Thank you. Well, that is such
0: a compliment. I appreciate you listening. Uh, we are uh, fans of what you do online. This is a long time in coming. I know we've been wanting to get you on the show for a long time. So yeah, I appreciate it. It's going to be awesome. We got tons to talk about. So for let's real. jump in and start the show the way we always do the story of the week. Story of the week it's the story of the week. Story of the week the story of the week. Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. That's also where you can send comments or questions, your own reviews if you'd like to hear us talk about something that perhaps we haven't played. You can get send a review, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Also, two awesome communities you can join. One is on our subreddit, 5 by 5 dlcredditcom The other, our Discord, which is 5x5dlc on Discord as well. Awesome threads there. Great folks in both places. Urge you to take part in the community. But Brendan, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week?
2: Man, there's so much stuff in here. Uh, I love that we're still like full steam ahead in summer of games. It's really just a really exciting time uh, to be doing this specifically. Uh, and the thing that I think has been almost like an open—it's se- been rumored for so long that it was an open secret, but I truly didn't believe it until the words came out of a man's mouth on a live stream. Uh, was Dragon's Dogma Two is in production and is real? Um, this is I- it.
1: It is it still Brendan?
2: We'll see. He had a shirt made up at least.
1: Yeah. No tattoo though. Hey, there was no tattoo. No tattoo. Shirts, oh. has, shirts
0: never lie, you guys. If it's on a shirt, it has to be true. I am, in fact, with stupid. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Um. Yeah, Dragon Zogma is a game I like truly, truly love. I can't believe it exists. Um, it's almost like you know out of a different universe where just game development and game ideas just went in a completely different direction. Um, kind of like this super group of developers coming from Devil May Cry and Monster Hunter, taking inspiration from Bethesda, what they were doing with uh, Elder Scrolls and Fallout, and uh, what FromSoft was doing with Dark Souls. And I was like, what if we just put all that in one game? Uh, which is I mean, an idea that was like, like
1: yeah. someone's like monster hunter a monster hunter flyby, just a brief just a little pretty it's much like, why not sure why not what, are, what else are we gonna put in here i don't know what about uh street fighter that would never work <laughs> maybe street <laughs> maybe I, who
2: knows who knows what dragon's Dogma 2 could possibly be um but this is a game that i think has like flown under the radar for so long and i think was a cult classic for such a long time um but Due to, I would say, Capcom's, like, actually pretty stellar game preservation efforts with this game in particular has just continued porting it forward onto new consoles over and over and over again and has kept it so relevant that it's gone past being a cult classic. And it's now just a classic. And I think that's really, really exciting to see... That long-standing, uh, that long-standing effort rewarded with enough interest to throw a sequel into development. Um, so as a person who thinks that that game is absolutely incredible, uh, I'm very, very excited and still can't believe this is real.
0: Yeah, I mean, that game came out, Dragon's Dogma, the original came out 2012, mm-hmm. which Christian uh, is 10 years I, ago.
1: I don't know if you're aware so of if- that five five years ago is ten, how that, that is 10 <laughs> years ago. a couple ago. months ago I uh, it was yesterday i just downloaded it yeah brand new game
0: when you say a uh, 2012 i don't think 10 years ago that's not the number that pops into
1: my head of how long
0: ago that was but that has been a decade well when you say Dragon's 2000
1: head. when you say 2001 you think this person is now drinking and is 21 years old that's what you think about that also right yeah
0: born in 2021 no i born in 2001 um yep. I remember talking about Dragon's Dogma on uh, Weekend Confirmed. I mean, that's that's how long ago that was, and uh, I, I never fell in love with this game the way Brendan sounds like you have, and so many others have. Um, but it is cool. I, I, I do I do remember it being so different and unique at the time. Uh, I wonder if it'll still a, a sequel will f- still feel that way as you know, open world games have really kind of taken over and and progressed so much and the technology around them has that this game you know dragon's Dogma, the first one felt like it was doing some so many interesting unique uh forward thinking things and i don't know if that is still the case it also occurs to me uh brendan i want to get your feedback on this Mm. this is one of those very strange announcements where it's like hey we're doing this
1: that's it that's that's the entire announcement like what that's how you i am think... with half of my projects hey i'm gonna do this <laughs> so, yeah, yeah the creator's endeavor yeah. is announcing things yeah
0: this is uh this is my approach to chores with my wife honey <laughs> i'm i'm fixing the fence <laughs> two years later have you fixed the fence we have delayed that project <laughs> indefinitely. Because of
1: supply chain issues and... I uh, regret
0: to inform you that in order to give you the fence that would live up to our expectations, <laughs> I have decided to delay this project.
1: A delayed fence is always good, Jeff. We started work on the fence for the next house because this house is now Last Gen's <laughs> house. We need new fence uh, for the oh, house. Man. Uh, anyway, um, uh,
0: do you think... I mean, it's great to know that this is happening, right? I mean, but we've seen Mm. so many of these announcements where it's like, it's happening. There is a Beyond Good and Evil 2 happening, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) (laughs) That kind of thing. Would you have preferred they wait until they actually have something to show? Or is it just just cool knowing that this is percolating and is many years off?
2: I think in almost every single situation, I would rather see something from the Mm. game. Dragon's dogma two is the one exception (laughs) Um, specifically. I think Dragon's dogma is weirdly kind of in the zeitgeist right now also because I would say the biggest game of the year still is Elden ring. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and Dragon's dogma weirdly enough is the closest analog to Elden ring that I've ever played. Yeah. It, It was shocking making my way through that game and thinking, wow, this is like, they just took Dragon's dogma and refined so many of those ideas and actually fit it into the FromSoft engine. Um, I am excited for Dragon Zogma 2 because I'm sure it's just going to uh, beg for those comparisons, um, which I think will bring maybe a larger audience to that uh, because Dragon Dogma is a game that keeps coming up as Elden Ring gets bigger and bigger. Um, so maybe it'll get more people to play the first one. There's actually a report, I think, that came out this morning or yesterday that said that uh, the Steam player count for Dragon Dogma hit its peak yesterday. Uh, yeah. which is pretty wild so it means a lot of people are going back unfortunately that peak is like 20,000 people total so like still kind well, of you know yeah. flying under the radar but uh, pretty exciting that more people are checking that game out and I think this is one of those games that I am just cool to see somebody's working on it
0: yeah have, well have you, and that's proof that uh, those announcements move the ne- needle you know it's a, totally. you got people to play the first game more so it, it does it helps do it's something
2: super accessible it helps that it's yeah. like on switch and on modern consoles uh, right. that's where I played I played it on switch and it runs great
1: yeah so i'm gonna ask i I, uh how long ago have you revisited this game um and like i'm curious because like skyrim i feel like is a game that everybody revisits all the time or gta 5 like there are certain forever ported resident evil 4 uh Mm -hmm. you know where it's like oh i've probably played this recently dragon's dogma i have not touched in 10 years um and it's Is it clunky? Is it modern? Is it does Dragon's Dogma 2 need to shake up the formula or could it be more Dragon's Dogma that looks prettier and still be ahead of its time or has its time caught up with it by now?
2: I think the thing about Dragon's Dogma that's so fascinating to me, and this is kind of the thing with a lot of, I would say, big Capcom projects, is that it is so campy that It, the clunkiness is almost part of its design in a way. You know, the game doesn't really tell you a whole lot when you play it. To answer your question first, I played it when it came out on Switch and I revisited it after Elden Ring because I was like, man, these mm-hmm. two things are firing the same synapses. I really need to compare these two. Um, and had a really good time with it. The thing about Dragon Sogma that's so fascinating to me and will be forever is just how wildly open it is and how the pawn system, which just to do it very quickly, you're able to download... Uh, essentially AI players that have adventured with other players. So when you download somebody else's pawn and they're part of your party, they'll just, if they've done a quest that you're doing, tell you how to get there. They'll say, oh, I know a, a shortcut around here. Or, hey, if we go along this coast for a while, we can find this hidden cave or whatever, whatever. Um, and you just get all of these really interesting generative storytelling moments that can only exist because other people are playing them. Um, and what I'm fascinated by with the announcement of Dragon's Dogma 2 is how much they're going to lean into that online play, how much they're going to kind of lean into that pawn system and see if we can use more modern Internet technology uh, to push this game forward. I feel like that is the like easy kind of low hanging fruit thing for the sequel is uh, how do you how do you interact with other players in, a, in an even more meaningful
1: way than in the first game? Yeah, I mean, write a note that's kind of obscene. You know, like a pun obscene <laughs> and then you joke can upvote it. Well yeah.
0: yeah. I was just gonna <laughs> Clearly, say, I never really from put software that together. figured it, out. it it does feel like the next or you know, the 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 predecessor to that kind of same similar idea from the from software games. Um I'm yeah I'm sure I'm not the only person to I'm sure I'm late to that observation, but it is uh it it does I do make that connection now. It's it's interesting how that kind of uh similar feel that you get from you know reading messages and from software games. Yeah. Um that's cool. it's a fascinating I think it's
2: game. It shouldn't yeah. exist, but it does, and I'm glad it does. <laughs> uh and I, I love I love revisiting it and I love telling people to play it.
0: <laughs> All right. Well Dragon's Dogma too. Hopefully we'll see it in the next, you know, several years. Well who knows how, how long it'll decade. take to get to us. Yeah. Next <laughs> decade. Uh Christian Spicer, what is your story of
1: the week? Man, there's some juicy stuff. The I just want to mention, I don't want to discuss this right now because not everything has been revealed, but I want to put on people's radar that the Xbox um, game demo, summer game demo fest starts this week, next week, depending on what you're listening to this uh, 21st, uh, tomorrow. tomorrow. So like right now, perhaps as you're listening to this, so (laughs) there's going to be potentially some great games there. Go and check it out. Um, It's a great way for folks to see some of the, especially smaller games, that have been shown and talked about during um, the summer of games.
0: Does it need to happen right at the same time as the next fest, the uh, steam next fest, which is like, (laughs) it, it bumps up right now. We had last week was next fest. This week's Xbox. It's like, Yes, Jeff, Maybe it does. Maybe spread it out a little bit. I don't know.
1: No, it needs to happen right now, contractually, right. when there are Aren't. not a lot of games to play. Okay? Okay. It just right. needs to... Uh... No, I like
0: it. We'll talk a lot <laughs> about it next week, I'm sure.
1: Yeah. Yes. I'm very excited for that.
2: I'll just say last year, uh, one of my favorite games of the year was uh, released as a demo during that event. Um, it was Lake, which I would mm. not have checked out. We're not for that uh, partnership between Summer Games Fest and ID at Xbox. Uh, so I'm very much looking forward to checking that stuff out.
1: yeah same for tunic i was like oh yeah i was like i'm going to quit this demo and instantly put this on the top of my list for (laughs) i've seen enough i love it i do not want to play anymore right now um my story of the week and of which i said there are there are many fascinating things but the thing i want to talk about with you two is Mm -hmm. we've learned more information about uh gran turismo the movie uh i love cars uh jeff i sent you some youtube videos that are like super well produced about cars or it's just like this is fascinating production and felt like this person was doing something that a lot of folks don't necessarily Mm. do when it comes to general reviews and how could that be applied to games and blah 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 and i really like the need for speed movie um it certainly had its flaws but it, it gave us michael keaton back before michael keaton was back And it gave us uh, real, there were shells, but like real, not CG cars being blown up, which I always think is exciting. And so when Sony announced in their plethora of transitioning to expanding their media empire to tap into video games as uh, movies and TV shows, one of the things that was also mentioned was the Gran Turismo movie, you know, that third person action single player game, Gran Turismo. That everybody, you know, the story of the 2023 Nissan Z (laughs) going from a 400 horsepower twin turbo car that's a little too heavy for its frame on a repurposed 11 year old 340 Z frame, finding a way to shed its father's roots. And, you know, um, well,
0: we joked about that maybe the Gran Turismo movie should be a documentary, uh, you know, like a very slow paced. contemplative documentary about, you know, the history of cars and set in a cafe,
1: you know, I love that.
0: We're actually not that far off because it sounds like the actual movie they're making is going to be based on a true story.
1: Right. So the information we're getting out about it is that it seems like it's maybe still working on the version of the movie that they were working on a long time ago, which is talking about Lucas Ordonez, um, who was a real Gran Turismo player and won the 2009 GT Academy, which was the thing that a Gran Turismo supported tournament where it was kind of showing off the sim chops of GT, where you could learn to play on a rig and some people even on controllers and academy is, has continued. Um, but, um, Lucas became a real racer and it's kind of this, you know, um, oh God, why am I blanking on not last starfighter last starfighter? yeah yeah starfighter Starfighter. Mm -hmm. it's like a real version of that like person good at video game recruited to do real thing the thing that i find interesting is if that is the story which it seems like it's the story they're telling well well, um, before you
0: say that though yeah not the only kid who has done that so it's not 100 (laughs) percent confirmed that it is this lucas or guy it could be one of several that have done this so we don't know for sure it's lucas but it's right. crazy that that's not a one-off fluke thing. It's, <laughs> it's kind of a path into racing, like a legit yes. path into racing.
1: Yes, I mean, it's not the simmiest of sim games. So certainly someone listening right now screaming at us like, X game is more of a sim game than GT. You're right, it, it is. It's not the most sim game, but it is real tracks, and it's a way to learn lines and get that, play with the wheel and get that experience. But it's also to be directed by Neil Blomkamp who is Chappie and uh, Ooh, District Nine? Really? That's the first. The first one you're going to is Chappie. No, Way that's to throw the, the dude under I, the bus. That's the. Ex- <laughs> so you got to go recent releases. Yeah, like I dude guess. started <laughs> on top of the bus, and dude yes. has fallen under the bus.
0: Didn't he? Uh, what was the? Uh, what was the Elysium movie? Wasn't Elys- it called Elysium? It was called Elysium. Yeah, yeah. That's also was that on Chappie wasn't that post Chappie or was that pre Chappie?
1: Do you think that's climbing back onto the bus? I think it's a better movie than Chappie was. Chappie okay, is, that's we have a full spectrum of possibility space that neil blomkamp exists <laughs> indeed. within indeed indeed well i think it's an interesting choice part of me is like oh that makes sense if they're going for this um social network you know docudrama style thing because his films district nine and Chappie kind of have that elysium didn't but kind of have that mm. approach of like yeah I'm on. I'm in the um, Cloverfield-esque, you know, yeah, Handheld, yeah. Stuff, yeah. yeah. but Cinema also verite. Yeah. Yes, but also his stuff is usually pretty sci-fi, and Gran Turismo is not. <laughs> you know, it's like this is the actual strut brace. We scanned. We 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 t- took apart these Fox shocks and scanned them digitally, and we actually drank. The lubricant that was used to so we could feel what the car feels like <laughs> that's not,
0: on the end a good idea kids don't
1: listen to that part
0: um the 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 interesting thing to me about this movie is that in contrast to uh, nearly every i p based movie I can think of, but i I could be wrong, you guys could come up with another one uh this is, it doesn't seem to be the fact that this is attempting to give you the experience of playing the game as a movie, right? It's not trying to, Halo series, trying to make you feel like what it would be like to see Halo in, in real life. This feels like, no, the idea that it's based on the Gran Turismo franchise isn't to give you a sense of what it's like to, to play Gran Turismo. It's because this person played Dr- Gran Turismo and got to do something in life because of it. So it's, it's a more rookie like, story,
1: it's, right? It, it's like, an
0: actual movie about a story. It's not an, not a movie about a video game. It's a movie about this this story that just involves the video game,
2: right? Yeah. This is a significantly more interesting concept to me than, I mean, recent PlayStation Studios film, Uncharted, for example, which is mm-hmm. taking all of those games and smashing them into one movie yeah. uh, inexplicably. Um, th- <laughs> this... This being about the video game and not the story of the video game, of which there really isn't one anyway, so you know, whatever. Um, I could see this, you know, feeling a lot like a Ford v Ferrari or like a Rush mm, kind of film, which yeah. I think is actually that's kind of really exciting to me. Um, because I, I find that a lot of video game adaptations say, Oh wow, video games are getting so cinematic, isn't that so cool? What would happen if we removed the interactive element? Well, the answer is that it's kind of, <laughs> kind of boring, unfortunately. Uh, so I think this is a much cleaner approach. I can't believe it, but the Gran Turismo movie is, I think, maybe our best shot at getting like a pretty good video game adaptation.
0: I, I'm very encouraged by this as well. I, I agree with you. Those are great references. You know, uh, uh, Ford v Ferrari, not a movie I loved, but the concept of yeah. it is cool. It works cinematically. It's, yeah. Um, and well, I think. Also-
1: we Are Marshall, Remember the Titans, like there is the a rookie, pedigree.
0: It's the rookie meets <laughs> Ford v. Ferrari, right? Yeah. Uh, the little chaffy. kid can do it, everybody. Honestly, it, it's the Sandlot, maybe. Sandlot. Or the wizard, <laughs> right? Uh, little kid got, joins a video game tournament, makes yeah. good. Um, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm ready for this. Uh, August 11th, 2023 is evidently the release date, which, you know... Weird that we have release dates for things that <laughs> probably haven't started shooting yet, you know? <laughs>
1: no, and still, Polyphony, polyph- I can't say it. Polyphony? Polyphony Digital will find a way to delay the movie as well. You know, they will find a way. Where there's a will, there's a way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I'm yeah, excited. I mean, I st- I'm excited. I still
0: believe in Neil Blomkamp. I, I, you know, for all his misses, the the guy has a visual sense that is really interesting and, and totally. cool. And, um You know, I I think uh, hopefully this has a really great script attached to it and it'll be it'll be a good movie. So tune in uh, a year from now when we will be talking about a month from then going to see the movie.
1: (laughs) (laughs) On your calendars, everybody, a year from now and a month from then. (laughs) Can't wait to come back and talk about the launch trailer yeah yeah
0: exactly uh all right see uh you guys have left me the what i think is undisputably the biggest story of the, of the week which is uh the final fantasy 7 25th anniversary stream uh which had uh, some actual uh juicy reveals uh in it uh it was all based around final fantasy 7's 25th anniversary as you may have surmised from the title uh And they took that opportunity to announce the next in what has now been officially deemed a trilogy of Final Fantasy VII remakes. So that one game that we all play, well, I won't speak for everybody, but uh, uh, the the olds, we we played it uh, back in the day. Now spawning three games, uh, the one we all played uh, last year, a couple years ago, Final Fantasy Remake, will be followed up by Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, and one final game which hasn't been titled but i guess will be re something uh and uh, rebirth will be launching next winter on playstation 5 we don't know we got a little teaser trailer about it uh, it's the next chapter of the final fantasy 7 saga uh, i enjoyed final fantasy 7 remake and i i i think this one's going to be more uh more goodness we'll see if it actually makes it to next winter uh but it's not the only bit of final fantasy 7 news that was revealed crisis core Uh, which was uh, the old PSP game that really never made it outside of the PSP ecosystem, but a lot of people loved it. I never played that game, but a lot of people loved crisis core uh, rank it among the, the better final fantasy games, but you know, PSP, not a hugely successful console. Not a lot of people got, got to play it. Uh, Now is coming this winter to PlayStation five, PlayStation four, Xbox series, Xbox one, steam and switch. So it's getting a remaster uh, from the PSP original uh, and then going to basically every platform you can imagine. Uh, and then um, Final Fantasy VII Remake, the uh, the first of that trilogy of remakes, uh, in, Intergrade, which is what they're calling this uh, sort of, uh, you know, glammed up version uh is coming to pc right it came to pc the day that it was announced so it's on steam and works on steam deck which is a it's a cool thing to be uh pointed out in the middle of that presentation as well uh so brendan i want to throw it to you are you a final fantasy 7 fan did you play the remake are you excited for more are you excited that it's going to be a trilogy
2: yeah, uh, my history over the past couple of years has been kind of catching up on the history of JRPGs. I just kind of like didn't play them growing up. But uh, my co-host on my own podcast is a huge fan, grew up playing them, really has like a strong affinity for them. So I was like, I got to check out your childhood. So I've been playing through all that stuff. <laughs> I um, went to his house, uh, like, <laughs> got
1: the box down from the attic and was like hung okay. out with his
2: parents, his dog, <laughs> uh, <laughs> talked to his dog about Final Fantasy. Uh, I uh, have had a really good time going back and checking all that stuff out. Um, and Final Fantasy VII Remake always seemed to me before launch like the one that I was going to love the most. And it very much was when it dropped. Um, I I played enough of Final Fantasy VII, the original, to encompass the story of what they had in Remake. Uh, and now I'm going to go back and finish the original, which will be fun. Um, but that having been said, uh, Remake is the only Final Fantasy game that I've actually finished. I've actually rolled credits on. Hmm. Um, I thought it was so, so interesting. It's so... So cool narratively, and I don't want to say too much for spoiler reasons, obviously, but um, I I just think it's very interested in the history of Final Fantasy VII and is very curious about how to push that narrative forwards into the future with the context that we all have about the many, many, many things that that game changed about what can happen narratively in a video game. Um, So I am very excited about uh, Rebirth, as it's called. I have no idea what the third one's going to be called. Maybe Remix? I don't know. Uh, But that having been said, it, that trailer looked very Zack-heavy, Zach being the protagonist of Crisis Core. Yeah. So I'm wondering if the uh, reveal and remake of Crisis Core is kind of to prime people for what is going to be kind of a swerve of that story, potentially mm. for Rebirth, is interesting. And one other thing that they announced during this event that I thought was really fascinating is, um, or continued to announce, uh, I think they said it's coming this year, or betas this year, um, is a mobile game that they're releasing called Final Fantasy VII Ever Crisis, yeah. which is a retelling of every piece of final fantasy lore all at once so seven the movie advent children crisis core maybe even remake dirge of Cerberus, like all of this stuff that's been <laughs> all on your phone and, yeah all on your phone uh it kind of plays it seems like the original final fantasy se- uh, final fantasy seven you have kind of like chibi characters running around when you're in battle there it honestly looks like remake um and i feel like that game exists solely to just prepare people who didn't play all of this peripheral content for what they're going to do with remake uh, parts two and three which i i think is a really cool way of just preparing people for that if you're not gonna you know take dirge of cerberus and put it on the switch or something yeah right
0: uh remake rebirth my understanding is the third one
1: will let you purchase housing in the game and it'll be called remax <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I mean it's uh it's one game per disc, right? I know that's not exactly how they're breaking it up. yeah but the, the OG uh, PlayStation one game was three discs. so it kind of has this lineage to be three things. Um, I do wonder if by the time we get to the third game, which it does it I mean assuming, which you know Jeff will tell us it will be delayed, but assuming they hit these kind of internal dates, then maybe not, but otherwise, I feel like by the time we get the third game, they will already again be remaking the first one. <laughs> you know, like it's just Final Fantasy VII in perpetuity. Um, I, I, I am very curious where the story goes because Final Fantasy VII, I think for a lot of folks, even people who haven't played it but grew up post Final Fantasy VII, it is, um, uh, you know, a, a meme of sorts, right? Like it is a known quantity of this thing that happens in the game that I will be vague about for the folks who maybe don't know it. And I am curious how much many of those story beats continue to be swerves. Mm. And I do think it's fascinating that square who for a long time has kind of just trotted things back out uh, to put it one way is taking such a fresh approach with one of their most beloved games and also calling it final fantasy seven. You know, yes, it has the, little subtitle after that but this isn't final fantasy 7 2 1 14 x 23 reimagine the retelling of the story you thought you knew like they're coming at it from this is final fantasy 7 and we're going to ch- change things and dive longer into certain story elements that were just passing moments in the first game and i think it's a really cool approach and then i'm really excited to see more of what the game looks like if they are targeting kind of strictly now current gen consoles in a way, mm. because the first final fantasy seven remake looked great. Um, but there's always room for it to look greater. Yeah. If you <laughs> yeah. play intergrade on a modern
2: console uh, on the current generation, you kind of get a glimpse at what the next one could look like. Uh, and it is, it's glorious. I'll say that much. Uh, it's, it's really, really pretty. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Christian, did you ever play crisis core on a PSP? I know you're a big PSP guy.
1: Uh, very little. Yes, I definitely, cause you know, the hype consumed me and I bought it and played it and I have no memory of it. I definitely didn't roll credits in it. The PSP for me was a graveyard of JRPGs where I'd be like, Oh, I will definitely play all of this one. And then mm. I never, <laughs> never finished it. And I went back to wipe out pure or something. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. I never touched it. I mean, I had a PSP, but I, I never played that game. Um, So I'm curious, uh, maybe, you know, maybe check that
2: out. But I know it's very uh, highly regarded by fans. So, yeah, I think one of my biggest possible concerns with this is that it does kind of look a little bit too inwards and is a little bit too focused on swerving what people maybe know about the original. Because I feel like the original just continues to stay relevant just because, you know, strong undertones of, you know, environmental collapse and anti-capitalist and anti-work and stuff that is like. Becoming more and more the forefront of you know daily news, um, sure. And I, I wonder if you take the focus off of those strong thematic undertones of the game, if it you know loses some of its charm. But uh, I don't know. I loved remake part one, so I'm 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 on board.
0: Well, it is odd if the goal is to subvert expectations that you're doing that to something that is 30 years old. You know, it's it's. I'm guessing that the vast majority of the of the audience for these games have never played the originals. Yeah. Um, So, it's an odd thing to play on that so heavily, but yeah, I think a lot of people that never played the first one, the the originals, uh, still are enjoying it. So, yeah, I think they're doing it right. Mm. All right. Well, we got lots of games to talk about. So, let's get right into that. But first, I want to thank our sponsor, which is Squarespace. Squarespace. That was a weird one. But Squarespace (laughs) has sponsored the show for a long time. Really proud to uh, tell you about them. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. You can have a beautiful website that lets you stand out, lets you engage with your audience, and sell anything, products that you create, content that you create, even your time, easily monetized, easily sold, easily built into a business using Squarespace. Squarespace makes it so easy for creators to monetize their content and their expertise in a way that fits their brand. They have member areas so you can unlock a new revenue stream for your business and free up time in your schedule by selling access to gated content like videos, online courses, or even newsletters. And if you're creating video, you can create it in their pro-level video studio. The Squarespace video studio app Helps you make and share engaging videos to tell your story, to grow your audience, and to drive sales. And you can sell your products on an online store. It's so easy to build it with the Squarespace tool set. Whether you sell physical or digital products, Squarespace has the tools that you need to start selling online. It's so easy. Plus, you get analytics and uh, insights to help grow your business. It's all optimized for mobile right out of the box. It's so easy. Check it out. Head over to squarespace.com slash Jeff You'll get a free trial and you can, you can have, have fun just messing with it, making your website, build it from the ground up or start with one of their beautiful templates. See how easy their tools are to use. And then when you're ready to launch your website, that's the only point at which you pay. You can use our offer code, JeffSentMe, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E, all in word, and you'll save 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. I've used Squarespace.com slash me to buy domains for a long time now. It's a really, really cool front end for buying domains. They have over 200 extensions. It's really simple. Uh, they'll suggest options for you. It's a great front end for buying domains. So simple. Check it out. Squarespace.com slash JeffSentMe gets you that free trial. And then when you're ready to launch, use that promo code JeffSentMe for 10% off.
2: All right,
0: it's time to jump into the games that we have been playing, and there are a bunch. But let's start with probably the biggest marquee release of the week, and that is A game Christian has been chomping at the bit to play. All three of us have played Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Shredder's Revenge. The retro throwback, side-scrolling 2D pixel art brawler. Brendan, were you a fan of TMNT as a kid? Were you throwing quarters in the machine like the rest of us?
2: I'm in this weird space where I was in like the, the three to five year gap where for some reason, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles had fallen out of vogue. So everyone before me and everyone after me loves Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And all I got was like Street Sharks and all of the many other ripoffs.
0: That's funny. Um,
2: <laughs> which is a little bit of a bummer, but I did grow up like in the arcade playing the arcade game. Uh, so I was very much looking forward to this just to kind of get a little bit of that back in my life. And what do you think? It's, it's incredible. I mean, it's so good. <laughs> uh, I I was I was really looking forward to it, and I think the thing about it that really strikes me every time I sit down to play it is it's just so joyful. It's just such a joyful experience. The ability to hop into and out of online matches with you know friends or even just randos online is so simple and so easy. It's amazing how quick you can just you know hover over a level press a button, and then hop into somebody else's match and just, like, fill in that one empty slot that they have and just finish out a level with them. Um, it's so fun to jump into and out of... Uh, and I, I just find, like, mechanically, it feels so tight in exactly the way you remember that game feeling in the arcade machine. Um, yeah. I, re- it, I really am stoked about it. It
0: is really, really well-made. And you can tell. I mean, it, it, it does feel like a labor of love. But it's interesting to me how... Just the subtle difference of of making a game that's meant to feel like a, an old stand up arcade experience, but is very much consciously made for the home experience, allows them to sort of honor what it felt like to, st- to to walk into an arcade, plunk a quarter in, and start playing that pick up and play, immediate fun, but have sort of a level of depth and um just sort of uh, just sort of layers of content and it winks to you and and so much fun stuff packed in that you would never really find in in an arcade experience because those arcade experiences were conscious about the fact that you're really going to be playing it for minutes at a time right it's going to be these short bursts of fun and it does feel like this game while it delivers short bursts of fun is also very conscious of the fact that you're going to be playing it for longer stretches and you're you're going to have time to sort of settle in with this game and so there's lots of really fun tidbits just just easter eggs and and uh it it, it kind of a relationship that it generates with the player that's very different than the old arcade was am i crazy to say that christian
1: no i think you're right i mean i think those old arcade games you know very much were meant to steal your quarters and were very difficult at times and there were cheap moves that you couldn't get out of right and with shredder's revenge the way they've finessed the combat and you have things like invincibility frames on your rolls and almost a roll cancel it doesn't quite cancel but you can you know change direction of it with what your attack is and the Uh, explained variations of air attacks and combos and how you can kind of link all of those things together it creates a more modern brawler in a way that in fact some of the um, challenges for levels are to complete it without getting hit which i think is a kind of a testament to the game design and a little bit of a flex saying yeah you can play through this cleanly in an arcade game as much as I love them. And I'm very excited about that Cowabunga collection you can't there's no way you're getting through turtles in time the arcade game without getting hit there's just no like an enemy will appear behind you and hit you that's that's literally what it it comes in and it reaches into your pocket and takes a quarter and then you know gives you the bird (laughs) while inverted um and which is mixing franchises but what shredders revenge does in terms of creating that feel of the arcade game or that arcade experience while modernizing it is kind of like the gameplay version jeff of what we've talked about for graphics before where it's like this they they say they've updated the graphics but this just looks like how i remember halo looking you know it plays how you remember it in this case it plays how an arcade Mm -hmm. game that feeling uh i was talking to a friend uh texting with our friend kyle and he was telling me about that online experience that Brendan was uh, talking about of how even that experience of jumping into somebody's game is so reminiscent of quartering up at an arcade where you'd walk into the arcade and you'd see, you know, three bozos playing and you'd be like, do I want to play with those bozos? Uh, Mikey's open. I'll go play, you know, and you pop (laughs) in, you just jump in into the middle of their level, the middle of the game. You won't hurt their experience. You know, it's not like you can go in and, hurt and and take out Donatello and like neg them or spam or at worst you eat the pizza when you're not supposed to, you know, and it's like, (laughs) ah, Mikey keeps eating the pizzas, (laughs) but otherwise it's a collaborative experience that when you have more people on the arcade, the better it is. And I think shredders revenge really captures that as well with just going in and replaying those levels. Um, it's phenomenal. It is so fun. And I think in a year of um, Elden Ring, which is phenomenal, but in a year of Elden Ring, it's nice to have a game that's just like ice cream, you know, like Mm -hmm. there's like candy. Yes, there's like the eight course chef's tasting menu where like half of the things when they tell you what it is, you're like, I'm not going to like this. This sounds awful. Then you taste it and you're like, this is incredible. And (laughs) then there's like, and for dessert. Sugar in your mouth. Yeah, you don't, yes! need, a, you don't need a
0: refined <laughs> palate to enjoy Shredder's Revenge. Yeah.
1: Yes. It, yeah. But then it, it also is, fun. it is, um, it holds that 80s era cartoon and arcade games in high esteem, right? Mm-hmm. It's not trying to mock them or make you feel dumb. If you liked it, it's not right. that ironic. Like you used to like this idiot, you know, approach yeah. the characters that make cameos in it. The bosses, the way it uses pretty much every iconic character from that cartoon run. And it does it in beautiful pixel art. And it has so many of those moments from the arcade games that bring a smile to your face, you know, falling into the sewer, getting run over by a car, throwing a foot soldier into the screen, all of those yeah. things that capture the feeling and hold it in reverence and not even in a um, La last Skywalker or whatever that movie was called episode nine approach of like, look, it's the thing you love. <laughs> we right. did the thing yeah. you love and like with not <laughs> much emotion to it. This I feel like has the, the passion and the celebration of, of what that franchise is. Yeah, you see it, it in so every corner, people.
2: right? You see yeah. it like in every, every screen that you show up on. You know, at One of the first levels, you you uh, roll into a, a news studio and you see a bunch of the enemies like typing up news stories before they realize you're there and then jump out and attack. Like every moment is filled with a visual gag or filled with some kind of incredible thing that you can find if you just like punch the right light at the right time or something. Yeah. Um, and it feels so much like mastering an arcade game in a way that I really, really, really love. I think another thing that really strikes me about this game and I think the reason why they're able to have challenges like, hey, you can play this whole level without getting hit. And if you do, you you know win a thing is that the levels are really short. They're like pretty bite sized. I, I agree with you, Jeff. They do want you to play for longer periods of time. And it's definitely built with that in mind. And I think part of that, it, you don't even realize the time is going by because you're just flying through levels over and over and over again. And each one is punctuated by a really fun boss fight that I think subverts a little bit of how you've been playing that level up until that point. Um, it's, it's a really, really masterful game. I can't not compare it to the Scott Pilgrim versus the world game, which I think was the closest analog that I had, uh, while I was playing this, it just reminded me that those levels, although I love that game were so, so long, it was almost the opposite approach where they thought, Oh, because, you know, you're playing this at home, you don't need to, you know, take out a bunch of quarters and throw them on the machine. We can just make this level as long as we want. Um, I think that this quick bite-sized approach is actually maybe the way to do that, the way to achieve that at home.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's interesting. I, I have two two questions that I want to kind of follow up with you guys about because I'm on the same page that it, it really is a joy. It really is so much fun. Did they do enough to push the game forward? Do you think there could have been a layer of, sort of, um, you know, RPG progression that would have improved the experience or made it feel even more modern or, I mean, maybe it just doesn't need that at all, but I, I think of something like, uh, castle crashers, you know, which is mm. again, an old game <laughs> at this point, but took that kind of side scrolling brawler thing and really said, Hey, let's have, you know, things to collect, uh, weapon upgrades, you know all that kind of thing do you think the game could have benefited from that or is that just a hat on a hat or a shell on a shell i guess is the better reference here
2: <laughs> i i would say i i appreciate the the light level of kind of rpg upgrading you get in this game you know as you continue to play the levels you're leveling up and as you level up you unlock a new ability for your character um and i think that that's nice just in terms of expanding the player space and, and, and the ways that you can express yourself while, while making your way through those levels. Um, but I do kind of agree with you. I miss a little bit, I mean, not to go back to Scott Pilgrim also, but I think Castle Crashers is a really wonderful analog as well. Um, both of those games have a really, really, really pretty like deep and rich RPG style upgrading system because they know that you're going to be playing them over and over again with your friends. Yeah. Uh, and the idea of bringing your character into other people's games and things was actually like a pretty core part of both of those games. Um, and I do think that there could be a little bit of that. I also think that this game is, you know, selling gangbusters immediately. I was just on the Switch eShop this morning. It's number one right now, which is you know great to see. Um, I could see some like pretty heavy DLC stuff coming for this Mm. down the line. I think I think that this game is going to be expanded upon in a pretty major way. If I were to guess, that'd
1: be cool. Yeah, I think that'd be. They they had that with Streets of Rage. Certainly, the Mr. X DLC was was great. Um, and I think this game, you know, calls for a boss rush mode and stuff like that. Mm. Um, I I agree with Brendan that I think the light RPG ish is the right touch or I agree that I like it and then I will expand and say I think it's the right touch for this game. Turtle Shredder's Revenge this wasn't the game in my opinion to you know do that stuff. This is very much a conscious callback from tribute games who have mm-hmm. proven very um reverent sm- Well, yeah, they they, they handle these games in a really smart way, right? With Streets of Rage and now with Shredder's Revenge of kind of looking back and, and saying, what do people want from this franchise today? And it's not trying to do the Castlevania 64 approach or even god of war 2018 maybe that's the another turtles game uh, as the franchise as the ip continues to remain popular and someone reinvents it in some other way but this is a game that's very much playing back to turtles in time and meant to represent those things so i think they did the right amount of reimagining and replayability while being very true to those old games what i would love to see in terms of dlc or tweaks or you know uh, patches or whatever. A boss rush would be great. And then some of those challenges are uh frustrating. I would (laughs) (laughs) I would love to see a little bit more replayability that's not just make a clean run through the level or Mm -hmm. something like that. And I don't know if it's uh a hundred hit combo or, or kind of what those things could be, but I think there's room for replayability to be finessed a little bit apart from Playing a whole level again and you get two minutes in and then get hit Mm -hmm. and then you reload the level. Um,
2: I don't know how far in you made it, but when you have a full five stack going, you're doing that level where you're jumping from rooftop to rooftop. One of the challenges is don't fall in between the rooftops. That is very difficult to do when you have five people beating up a bunch of enemies uh, and the whole screen is flashing the whole time. You don't even know where the hole is. That everybody's doing their super
1: constantly. Exactly. And, yeah. And, oh, one thing I do want to mention about supers, too, is I love the that evolution of using your ninja power, whereas typically in these brawlers, you hit two buttons together and that takes a little bit of your health. And Streets of Rage 4 did an interesting thing where it takes your health, but then you can earn it back if you don't get hit here you have it all the time and you have to reload it and you reload it by not getting hit or you can do your taunt or whatever that is. And I think that's a cool evolution of letting you, you know, giving, letting, (laughs) letting Cyclops shoot his optic blast, you know, Mm -hmm. let Wolverine use his claws and this lets the turtles do their cool moves without punishing them. It's just a delight. Um, My only real nit about the game as it exists is I found the last boss fight to be underwhelming. I thought so many of the others were fun, uh, really fun up until that point. I loved The Last Boss. Again, the inclusion of all the characters across the franchise is fantastic. But as the fight itself, it felt um, a little underwhelming to me.
0: I read a tweet, I retweeted this uh, this week uh, that kind of blew my mind because here I was thinking myself the only one. And I guess I'm just a cliche. Uh, The tweet said something along the lines of... uh, if you're over 35, you played through all of Shredder's Revenge with Donatello first. And <laughs> I thought I was the only one that loved Donatello, but it, it, evidently everybody loves Donatello. But I thought Donatello was like my little personal, you know, uh, counterculture like everybody loves Leonardo and Michelangelo's cool nunchucks. I want the guy with the boring bow. Uh, you know, the, longest but, yeah.
1: the, longest
0: the longest reach, reach I, the longest, reach. But he has longest reach. He's purple. Pick it into the guy. Pick it up over your head. Swing him around. Throw him. That was what I loved as a kid. But I, you know, as a kid, I thought, hey, I'm the only, uh, I'm the only kid that. Lo- I'll always jump in on Donatello. Everybody, that's the empty one. That's the no. Everybody wants
2: Raphael's cool. <laughs> you know, uh, what are those things called size. Size. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm learning that I'm over 35 at heart. I guess uh, that was exactly <laughs> what I did as soon as I started as well. April
1: April's, April's my favorite character so far that I've played. The I, new I ones like one's great. Jones. I, I really like really April cool. O'Neil's like mix of speed and uh, a little bit of range when she pulls out the camera on the yeah. tripod. So fun. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic.
0: Anyway, TMNT shredders revenge. It's on game pass. Uh, it's so good. So good. So good. It's on everything really. But uh, you know, if you are a game pass subscriber, you've already got it. Uh, but there's another game that came out this week. I have been itching to play. I'm really curious about it. I just haven't had a chance. It's Father's Day weekend. I just haven't had a chance to jump into neon white. But, Brendan, you have been playing that. Yes. Tell me about it.
2: Man, uh, what a week. At least on my end, I picked up. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for the Nintendo Switch as well. What a week for the Nintendo Switch, I should say. <laughs> Just so many, ga- really, too many games bumper, you know, whatever. Um, oh, hang on, I you mean, gotta
0: warn me if you're gonna do that.
2: No. <laughs> <Then> <laughs> Sorry. Then I'll, uh... hey, listen to show a uh, lot. <laughs>
0: yeah, we did it, everybody.
2: I, I downloaded, like, literally five different things for the Nintendo Switch this week. Uh, one of them being Neon White, and I was really torn between Turtles and Neon White because both of them have this very strong, almost arcade like, I can't put this down once I start playing energy to it uh neon white for those of you who don't know uh it's a first person platforming game which you know already sounds like it could be a nightmare on anything but pc um (laughs) but the whole idea is that you are uh you and a bunch of other assassins are essentially plucked from hell by god to kill demons who have escaped into heaven uh and the idea is that you're making your way through these levels as quickly as possible platforming and making your way around you can pick up a gun and you know shoot the gun, but every kind of gun also has a discard ability. Where if you throw the gun on the ground, it will do a new thing. So a pistol, for example, just shoots like a pistol. But if you throw it on the ground, it essentially lets you launch yourself into the air. So if you jump and throw your pistol on the ground, you can't shoot it anymore, but now you can double jump. Things like that. Um, so cool. what you end up with in this game is an almost like Persona esque RPG. When you're not in game and doing you know making your way through these levels. And almost like an early Tony Hawk, I'm trying to get all the skate letters in one you know, combo kind of situation where you need to make your way through these levels as quickly as possible. It's almost like puzzle-solving in a way. This is a game that once you start playing and you lock into it, you really can't stop. It's really aided by maybe the best video game soundtrack I've heard this year from an artist named Machine Girl, which uh, is available on Bandcamp and Spotify and all the places that you would listen to music already. So maybe just go check that out also on the side. Um, I I was you know, kind of iffy about this game because I feel like a lot of the early video coverage I saw of it, I think it launched in an indie world at one point. Um, it made it look almost like it was a deck building card game. Right. I wasn't really super tuned into the idea that it's not really about collecting cards. You're just picking up different kinds of guns and they lay them out for you in a way where you are shooting and discarding and using their abilities so quickly that it's not really about building a deck. It's just about figuring out the way the level designers want you to lock into that specific platforming segment um it is stellar i it like immediately rocketed towards the top of my list for the year i i can't speak highly enough of this game
0: i'm so excited to play this one i I really wanted to carve out time Tmnt kept taking all my time and then you know i had other stuff going on but i have been itching to play this game since it was first announced it just looks so cool my biggest question to you about it is You talk about how, you know, locking into sort of how to get through a level, how the game designers intended it. Does it feel like there is one solution or do you have that kind of uh, ability to improvise and figure out your own path?
2: Yeah, it's actually really interesting. So every level when you finish it ends with a rating system, bronze, silver, gold and platinum level. Uh, And as you continue to make your way up those levels, uh, up those rankings for each level, Uh, they will give you a hint as to how to make it through the optimal way. I guess actually the way the level designers intended it. And if you Mm. can make your way through it that way, you'll see these like floating icons that you kind of hit and try and hit as you're making your way through. Um, If you can do that, you will essentially get a guaranteed platinum rank on that level. But what I've already seen online, and I feel like what the game is really built for is for people breaking that for people <clears throat> figuring out new interesting ways of speed running these levels uh, there is a global leaderboard that unlocks if you get a platinum rank on a level so you can see how you fare against everybody else uh, there is a also friend leaderboard, which has been the main reason I have been flying through this game. It's just like <laughs> I gotta beat my friends. I gotta beat my friends at That's every awesome. single level, and I sure have. Let me tell you both, uh, <laughs> beaten my friends at every single level so far. I just can't put it down. Um, so I do think it's a little bit of a give and take, where I have found, in terms of games that are trying to do first person platforming, especially with a controller, I usually find that to be really cumbersome and really kind of tiring in a way to try and figure out the intended way of playing these games. Neon white is so well crafted that it's never really a question how you're supposed to make it through a level. And I think that that almost subconscious traversal is like the thing that locks you into playing this game for much longer than you anticipate when you sit down.
0: Ah, man, I I think uh, I will be probably talking about this one next week because I'm, I'm very excited to, to check it out. Neon white is what it's called. Brendan is very high on it. Yeah. Uh, looks very cool um, it's
2: by the creator of Donut County also, which yeah, we'll is like just... <laughs> the biggest swerve ever. <laughs> yeah. Talk about a uh, a change of pace
0: in your next game. <laughs> My goodness. Uh, <laughs> but what else is on your playlist, Brendan?
2: Yeah, um, I think one of the more interesting games, and I feel like this is a thing that you two in particular would love to talk about, um, is a game called Point P, which got released recently during the Netflix live stream event. Um, It is a Netflix game.
0: Let's just say, again, it's P-O-I-N-P-Y. Point P. Yeah. Point P.
2: Um, It's by the creator of Downwell, Ojiro Fumoto. Um, I have been waiting for his follow-up game ever since Downwell came out. I think that was like 2015, I want to say, that that game dropped. And I was not really anticipating picking up really any Netflix games. Uh, They have a very interesting system where you download the game for free on your device, iOS or Android. Uh, and then you have to log in through Netflix if you want to play. But seeing a new game from the creator of Downwell was just kind of like an immediate pickup for me. Um, Maybe, surprisingly, you're not going down a well this time. Dear listener, you're going up a well. Can you believe it? We we were saying (laughs) the the Donut County team was doing something (laughs) different what (laughs) yeah pretty wild uh this game just involves you as a cute little cartoon dinosaur with a big sledgehammer uh making your way up a well by kind of like uh aiming and flicking yourself up and bouncing off of walls there's a big scary monster below you that demands fruit juice and you need to pick up as many fruits as you can uh the specific fruits that the that the big monster wants to drink um and you have to without landing pick up all these fruits and then smash them on the ground with your big hammer and then feed the big monster. Um, it is a game that handles progression so, so well. If you make your way from one level to the other, you don't have to start from the beginning every single time. You start from whatever level you have made it to. Uh, so you have this constant sense of, I am making my way through this game. I have not finished it yet, but I've talked to many people who have, and they said that the end is really wonderful and you do unlock like a free play mode where you can just kind of play forever and kind of score chase your way up. Um, you know, I I really love Downwell. that was one of my favorite mobile games, maybe ever. Um, and this game just really feels like knocking it out of the park a second time in a row, which is uh pretty remarkable, I think. Uh, so to do the same thing twice, it's really cool. A Point P again is what it's
0: called, and I just want to uh spell it out for folks listening because this it's a little tricky, right? You need a Netflix subscription, yes, and then you go to the mobile app for Netflix. You log in there and then you can search for Point P, P O I N P Y, and then you can download it from inside the Netflix app on your phone.
2: And on iOS, you can just download it from the App Store separately. They've oh, listed oh, cool. all their games also separately on the App Store. So you have to download them and then log in through Netflix uh, in I the see. app as well.
0: All right. Yeah. I am doing this. Uh, this looks really cool. I'm, I'm checking out some video here. Uh, yeah. This looks really cool, Point P. And again, you know, I have a Netflix subscription, so I already own it.
2: This is kind of the thing. I'm very interested in Netflix's approach to video games. I feel like, you know, the Netflix of games has always kind of been hovering in the in the ether of things that we've all been talking about for years and years, and it's funny that the Netflix of games is just, like, releasing apps on the App Store Yeah. Uh, as it turns out. Right. Um, I've been waiting for the first one that was going to get me to, to pull the trigger, though, and actually download and, and play one of their games, and, and this was kind of a no-brainer for me. Um, Pointy. I'm, I'm interested to see what else is coming down the line from them, but I think, like, strategically just getting a developer like ojo and, and saying hey we'll just pay you a bunch of money to make a game is uh
1: definitely going to work for me at least awesome that that's what i find fascinating i don't know when we'll see it but it is like the business deal side of these things and i think also it, it demonstrates which i think we have seen some of that data that um so many people do consume netflix on their phones because it's not like Apple arcade where they tried to floss that line of like, you can also play on your Apple TV or on your computer or on your phone. And also because of that, the controls are kind of weird because it has to work with touch or the Apple remote or a controller. It can be all of these things. And point B is definitely a touch only. Um, They also had the riot forge. um, I forget which game it was. Uh, a, A riot game was exclusive to Netflix. And so on mobile, and so I think it's interesting to see is this something that will bring people to Netflix or will keep people from unsubscribing from Netflix. It's like, oh man, well I finished Stranger Things season 4. I guess I'll cancel it for the well I have been enjoying this Upwell game. Well, but <laughs> you know. I don't like- know if I don't know if
0: it'll accomplish any of that because I am a many many year Netflix subscriber and I have seen zero front front facing promotion for any of these games
1: like you don't no- consume netflix on your phone if you go into your phone it really a, it's above the fold on the updated oh. app well maybe like that's, that's the
0: difference is it's, it's built for phone users of netflix and hmm. phone if you you know obviously these are phone games so that makes sense but it would be nice also if maybe at some point when i was using netflix on the myriad other devices other <laughs> than my phone that i use it on it would uh let me know that hey there's some games you could play
1: yeah yeah it's the only
2: reason I knew about it was that I watched the Netflix live stream because I was just anticipating maybe a game announcement, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in, while we're in the summer of games. But I, I'm with you, Jeff. I, I had not seen anything in-app for this at all, yeah. um, which seems counterintuitive, but I, I guess it does make sense if they're showing it in the app.
0: Well, you know, Netflix as a as a company is baffling to me how they there's things, these massive what uh, spider, whatever that's called, the new giant thing is like it came out and I
1: was like, this seems like a massive movie. I've seen no promotion for the, the Russo brothers Yeah, yeah working yeah. with Chris Evans again. And mm-hmm. based on a popular short story, it has all the Wild. pedigree for like action blockbuster. And it's also just content. it, and it I mean, probably
0: cost them a hundred million dollars, you know, yeah. or more anyway. I tried anyway, to have it cost pointy.
1: $100 million and $1. And that extra one was just my budget. Like, they're like, what do you do on this movie? And I was like, I cost a million dollars. <laughs> click, <That's, laughs> click. That's click. what I do. <laughs> click, click. Christian Spicer. Uh, <laughs> spider, spider. You know, whatever you need. Like, whatever your, you need. You I'll know. see
0: it twice. Uh, Brendan, I know there's lots more on your uh, on your playlist. So what, what else do you want to talk about?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, I think one of the more
2: interesting uh, games that I've been playing is the demo for Fire Emblem Three Hopes. Mm. Um, which launched on Switch semi recently, and uh, launches officially the full game releases on Switch. I think either this week or early next week. Um, I just find this game really fascinating because it's another in the lineage of uh, Warriors spinoffs of you know various IP. We've seen that a lot on the Switch recently: Hyrule Warriors, Age of Calamity. Uh, I think that was last year. Mm-hmm. Um, Persona Five Strikers, and now Fire Emblem Warriors: Three Hopes. Uh, taking, you know, other intellectual property and saying, what if it was just a Musao game? Uh, you know, it's all Koei Tecmo developing all of these games. Um, the interesting thing about Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hopes is that Koei Tecmo worked on Three Houses, which this game is like a pseudo sequel, maybe even like mid cool i I'm not really sure how to even talk about it <laughs> in terms of uh, where it falls narratively. But um, I have been waiting for, I I would say, many years to get into one of these games. I always find this style of combat, this like I'm going to run through, swing my sword and watch literally 100 dudes go flying into the air. Yeah. Such an exhilarating idea (laughs) for a video game. And so frequently they come out and I play them and it's like, oh, this like barely runs on the switch, unfortunately. Or, you know, uh, the story's not there or they haven't really incorporated the IP in a way that seems interesting. Yeah. the thing about Fire Emblem Three Hopes is that, unfortunately, it's hard to recommend because you really do have to have played Three Houses to like oh, know why this is a cool story to tell. Um, but simultaneously, it is the best I've ever seen any of these things run on the Switch. Um, it, the way it incorporates Fire Emblem combat in terms of the weapon triangle, in terms of taking other characters that are in your squad and ordering them to go take other bases around the map really feels natural it feels like the most cohesive marriage of another game property and what koei tecmo is so good at um that i've i that i've seen and played on the switch at least um i i, I think it's a really kind of knockout game uh, and i am very excited for it to come out i have beaten the demo and i've started it again um it's wow. a pretty lengthy demo it's like six ish hours for wow. the first four chapters of the game um Isn't and cool. like three houses you can choose any of the any of the three houses uh, and play alongside them, which I think is really, really, really cool. I'm a big three houses fan. Uh, so just want to say that on a high level, I'm definitely you know predisposed to love this thing. And uh, I sure do.
0: That's great. That's uh fire emblem three hopes. Um, it's great that these aren't just sort of palette swaps or skins of the same game yeah. over and over with new IP that they're actually, you know, trying to incorporate what makes those IP interesting.
2: Yeah, um, totally. Yeah. I cool. mean, the game does a very good job of incorporating what made Three Houses so cool. This idea of like it's half life sim, half you know battle strategy game and <clears> the idea <throat> of a Fire Emblem game. So, you know, every single one up until this point being a turn based strategy experience means that as you're ordering units to go fight each other, you see kind of like an animation of one character do one thing and then the enemy kind of recoils in a way. But never the twain shall meet, you know, never those two character models actually hit one another the idea of having this real-time combat actually fills in this mental gap that you were, you know, maybe even subconsciously doing while playing other Fire Emblem games. Uh, so seeing all this action play out in real time is actually kind of almost more interesting to me uh, than the than the turn-based strategy in some cases. Um, so, uh, yeah, I am very surprised at how much I like this game. I feel like my my hope was that it would be good. I didn't think in a million years that it would be great. <laughs> That's awesome.
0: So is the full game out or is it just the demo so far?
2: If I recall correctly, it's either June 24th or 26th, so it's coming very soon. Um, And uh, if you play the demo, it carries over into the main game, so that's nice. That's great. Fire Emblem Three Hopes. What else is on your playlist? I got so much, you guys. Uh, (laughs) A a game that I really, really, really want uh, to bring to this show is Citizen Sleeper, which I think is a game that the two of you would really, really, really love in particular. Um, It is a essentially RPG slash almost like board game adapted into a video game. Um, mm, I'm the listening. Idea, yeah. Uh, the idea essentially is every morning you wake up on a spaceship, you are a, kind of a uh, person who's had their mind copied over to an Android. And you are on this big kind of like ring, almost halo esque space station um, where people don't really like you very much. Uh, and I, I find that, A lot of the game is just about building and forging relationships with the people on the space station, the people who can give you help in some way, shape or form. Uh, You're living in like a storage unit. You're working on just like deconstructing spaceships and uh, for scrap so you can sell it. Um, But the big hook of this game, and I think the thing that's most interesting about it is every morning you wake up and they will roll. I think it's five or six dice for you. Uh, And based on how high or low those dice are is how well you can accomplish different tasks. So if you walk into the center of, you know, a town square that you've never been to before and you're trying to explore that town square, you'll have to select which of those dice you want to use. So, okay, I'm going to use my six here because I really need to know where I can find food in this area specifically. Or I don't know if that's that important to me in this case. So I'm just going to use the two that I had rolled this morning as well. Um, I find that this game and, and the ways in which it uses that dice roll mechanic really kind of illustrates what you know, it, they're trying to go for thematically, which is this idea of in extreme poverty scenarios, you have these situations where you wake up and sometimes it's your day and sometimes it's not. Mm. Um, so sometimes you'll wake up and you'll get all ones and you're like, wow, today's a wash. I've, I can't get food. Uh, I can't go to the doctor and get the medication I need for my Android body to not break down, et cetera, et cetera. And sometimes you wake up and you have, you know, fives and sixes and you're like, oh, my God, a wealth today. I don't even know what I'm going to spend these dice on. Um, The ways in which it incorporates what they're trying to do mechanically with what they're trying to do narratively, I think, is a perfect, perfect cohesion. (laughs) All the writing is incredible. Um, I I can't recommend this game highly enough. Definitely another best-of-the-year indie game.
1: It's really Uh, a stellar year for that. And I'd add to this, it's Game Pass, which a lot of folks probably have access to it. And two, on End of the Aether, you both did a real good job selling it. I was uh, walking my dog uh listening to it and as the conversation continued i was like oh this sounds like it could be fun and then i took my phone out and went to the game pass app and I'm like you know i'll probably i'll probably just download this so it's ready for me this sounds like it could be a good game and then as you guys kept talking i was like oh, time to text text jeff and tell him he also needs to play this game <laughs> and then i was like oh yeah this has-. and then by the time i got home from walking my dog you guys had moved on to another game and i was like i'm gonna download that game now <laughs> <So> <laughs> it's like on my hard drive yeah one of those games where it's like i feel and maybe correct me if i'm wrong I feel like citizen sleeper is a game that I need to like clear my desk, sit down, give an hour and a half, two hours to, to kind of get the idea of what those roles are in the rhythm. And I feel yeah. like I keep putting it off because everything else I'm like, I'm going to jump into this. And this doesn't feel like a play for 30 minutes, get the hang of come back to a week later, but maybe I, yeah. it wrong.
2: I, I, I think you're kind of right on the money there. Um, I will say that the first time I sat down to play it, I was not mentally prepared for, I think a lot of the heavy themes that they were going to start throwing my way. Mm. Um, And I immediately fell headfirst into it, like down the rabbit hole. Um, I I think the writing is so strong. It reminds me a lot of Disco Elysium, especially within like the first hour to hour and a half ish, where the writing will just, Knock you off your feet, uh, and and you're just going to be hooked from that point on. Um, the one of the best things I can say about this game, especially for people like us who do this every week, uh, is it's pretty short as well. It's like mm-hmm. five to six hours, which is honestly really lovely.
0: Again, that's Citizen Sleeper, and it is on Game Pass. Another game uh, you could try out if you have a Game Pass subscription. So uh, I need to do that. I have I have also downloaded it and not played it. Uh, <laughs> but there's another game that's on uh, Game Pass uh, that is on your playlist uh omori omori how do you pronounce that
2: yeah i think it's omori uh i didn't realize i was on game pass but that's really exciting i've also been playing this on switch as well um this game i've been waiting for for a long time specifically because in the last year ish uh, i played a big chunk of earthbound and actually played and finished mother 3 um, which i feel like this game is definitely pulling a lot from um omori is a very interesting title in that i feel like it plays a lot like this kind of game you know a lot like an earthbound or a mother Mm. um it it involves you and a party making your way around this kind of i would say very pastel adjacent almost like imagination land uh and you know getting into little scraps with different characters uh you know you're fighting a little bunny in the woods etc etc but has this much 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 darker undertone i think that people maybe not be prepared for it's uh I would say adjacent to horror in sometimes hmm. um, it's a, it's a game that very much is trying to sell you on this idea that it's like very cute and very fluffy. Um, but underneath it all is a game that I would say early on at least. Um, and this is definitely worth knowing going in, you know, kind of like a content warning scenario, but it's definitely dealing with major depressive themes. Uh, it's hmm. definitely about, the experience of living with depression uh, as a person who does that. um, I I have found it to be um, really pretty captivating in the way that it's been able to uh, describe and portray that on screen. And especially through game mechanics, I'm always very interested in games that are trying to express themselves through the ways in which you play. Um, And I, I would say the big hook of the combat in this game is that although you can just like straight up attack all of the enemies, you also have skills that will allow you to change the temperament and the emotion Of yourselves and enemies and different uh different characters will respond differently to the ways that they're emoting so a character who is angry for example will take hits easier and and will um end up you know taking more damage if they're attacked but they have a higher chance of doing a crit because they're going all out for example a character who is sad will take more damage to their mana and their like emotional capability um if they're sad things like that Mm. um I, I find it really interesting. I'm not that far into it, but I am also very interested in games that are trying to do turn based combat in a place that is not you know known for it. For example, a fantasy like a a nice little whimsical forest in the woods that I would say is not fantasy adjacent. Um, mm. it, it's a really really interesting game, um, and and I'm excited to get further into it. Definitely.
0: Again, that's Omori, uh, and I, I guess it was a su- a surprise drop for Game Pass. They didn't announce it as being a game that was coming and it just uh showed up so yeah uh, very cool very cool awesome tons of great recommendations there on your playlist brendan thank you for all those uh christian i know you've been playing some stuff uh besides shredders revenge what else have you been playing
1: yeah uh there's a there's a a few things we need to talk about this week, or that I would love to talk about this week. One, uh, I talked about it on paid DLC the last episode of that, as I was able to, as we were, as we were recording it, as when that embargo dropped, and that's Oli Oli World's DLC Void Riders. Oli Oli World, I think, is one of the best games of the year. Um, it also is like. Um, Shredder's Revenge is a tonal palette cleanser from so many of the other great games of this of the year. Mm. But what Oli Ollie World, I think, also does so well is it is this balance of whimsical and frustrating. Cause it, it definitely has moments where you want to throw your Steam Deck or controller or just flip it You know, you're just <laughs> like, I will if I grip this hard enough. Oh, okay, run it again. Uh a difficulty of Celeste style you know, precision platforming that requires you to get runs right, especially Mm -hmm. if you're going for certain challenges. Um, But the flow of the levels and the way it kind of builds you into that, I think is pretty forgiving um, for some of the later harder levels. The Void Riders DLC, and I believe there's also a complete edition of the game that includes it. It unlocks, what, about two thirds of the way through the game is when you have access to it. And from there, it... Um, minor plot spoilers, I guess, for Ollie Ollie World. The game hints at aliens uh arriving. I mean, the game is so fantastical anyway, that like, oh now you're gonna do it. It's, of course, there's aliens. Um, and Void Riders leans into that all the way. And of course, these aliens are here to shred, and they want to skate and explore the world and all these things also. And what the mechanic that it really brings to the game is that aliens are abducting things. And there's this purple, you know, light coming down from UFO, from spacecrafts that will pull up parts of the level. Or much like the purple gems that exist in the world in the main game, you need to grab to break through. And so that kind of gets you in this like, oh, I need to do a grab. I'm in the air. I'm launching. And it kind of gets you into this you know, rhythmic almost approach to progress through the levels as you make sure you hit a grab to break through this purple uh, gem in, in, in the line. And with Void Riders, it has these purple beams, tractor beams, that you need to hit a grab in in order to be pulled up by the, the tractor beam itself. So you'll have this really awesome flow going. And then if you hit and you grab a grab, it'll pull you up, which sometimes you need to do in order to get to the next platform. But sometimes that's how you get to a different route Of the level is by doing that and that what sounds simple you know simple addition to the game of like oh basically an anti-gravity section you know of a run provides such levity (laughs) pun intended to an already fun and light game that it feels fresh in a way that Ali Ali World felt initially of uh the expansion of what made the prior Ali Ali game so much fun it was like oh well they updated the art and they they made the courses even more fantastical and all of this stuff with Ali Ali World and now in Void ra- Riders by adding the alien technology and making the courses even more zany and having these moments where it lifts you up into the air and kind of flings you and can pick up your momentum in really cool ways as you come out of the tractor beam Mm. really adds a freshness to the game and even more creativity to the courses that you're um playing in and it's just one of those dlc packs that I don't want to say essential per se. Like if you just play Ollie Ollie World, you'll have a wonderful experience, but it really does feel like it belongs in the game. Again, uh, I'm having my cake at eating it too. Play the game. Without it, you'll love it. It'll probably be one of your favorite games ever. It doesn't feel like they pulled something. It's like, and now you have a skateboard. No, 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 no. But adding it back into the game, especially as the story kind of progresses and does all these, these loopy zany things and saying, yeah, 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 of course. Now here are the aliens. Feels like such a nice moment. It's you know, it's like in the superhero movie where the superhero does the thing you've wanted to see them do the whole time. Batman's cape, you know, Michael Keaton moment. And you're like, it's the thing that they do, or every Zack Snyder movie where it's like, here's that page from the comic book you love, and you're like, that's from that comic book I know. Adding aliens in this alien technology um, in these lifts, it just feels like getting that full expression of how loopy this game can be and especially my favorite uh, implementation of it is when it actually pulls part of the track itself up. And so you'll see you'll you know you're flying through this course and you'll see that there's no way you can there's too big of a gap and then as you approach it it's like this rail comes flying up into into mm-hmm. view. And if you hit it just right you'll launch onto that rail and keep your line going. And when it everything goes according to plan, I don't know if there's a better game in terms of making you get lost in flow. That's come out since probably Tetris Effect um, to what Ali Ali World does. And then in those moments when you mess up and squeeze your controller really hard, um, it reloads you quickly. And <laughs> so you're able to get very back at it. Very important. Uh, so that's Ali Ali so World Void Riders. Void yeah. Riders, which is, yeah, fantastic. The other thing that I want to talk about and spend a little bit of time on um, for sure, and then we'll see if we have time to get to the other stuff is oh i was provided a code for void riders i should i should say that um i was also given access to ps plus premiere which is Ooh. um it's like playstation now and ps plus <laughs> were combined into one service that i would call like ps N- nose i think is mm. what i would call it ps nose. yeah it seems like a good that you know rolls right off the yeah. mm-hmm. i love that that's yeah that's what i would call it that's yeah. definitely the the one that we should all go with <laughs> thank you uh, it, it just it's, it's you know a nice benefit it's a nice you know sometimes you can mix words a couple of different mm, ways but yes nose just sounds it flows it flows as smoothly as a course from void riders is what it does um, and so it is their not competitor but it is the bigger subscription service that gives you access to games and multiplayer on the playstation consoles um, and their catalog of games includes some ps5 games and then depending on your tier, I, I have access to the highest tier, also access to PS3 games, which are only available via streaming, and then also classic games, which are PSP, PS1. Are there any PS2 games in that classic there are tier?
2: only a few, uh, and all of the ones, as far as I'm aware, are games that were already ported to PlayStation 4. So it's kind of like PS2
1: collections that have already been ported. Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And um, it is a really fascinating subscription service. I want to talk about the service as a whole a little bit and then some of the games that I've actually spent the most time with. Mm -hmm. As a service itself, if you are just a PlayStation uh, ecosystem owner... And with the cost to upgrade your existing PlayStation uh, Plus subscription, which I imagine, I'm assuming you had PlayStation Plus because you probably played multiplayer games with your friends and the cost to upgrade to the middle tier or extra or the highest tier premiere isn't tons of, it's not a huge ask, I think, you know, to kind of experience this and see if you like it. I think it makes sense with the extra caveat of are any of the PS5 games being offered games you don't have? Because there are some excellent games. Miles Morales is there. Returnal is there. Demon Souls uh, remake is there. Um, Assassin's Creed Valhalla is there. Um, There's one other one too that I'm slipping. But there are some incredible PlayStation 5 games available on the service. But there are also some notable omissions <laughs> that are there. Ratchet and Clank is not there. Um, uh, wow. Death Deathloop is not there, and so it's not. It's not Game Pass. It's not just if you want this big first party game. This is the way I would recommend you get it. You know, sign up for a month. It's not even um, what's the Ubisoft one called? Jeff, Ubisoft Plus? Uh, Ubisoft?
0: No, it's um, Ubisoft Play.
1: Else. No, you play? play no you play yeah that's what it, it is you play yes is it whatever ubisoft is or that i've subscribed to many a time because that the new game will be there far cry 6 well i'll pay 20 dollars for a month of far cry 6 and if i love it i'll buy it when ubisoft sells it to me for five dollars six months from now or whatever it ends up being and the way that this playstation plus service cat the catalog i think is the is the the thing that will either Make it worth it to you or not, and it just happens to depend on what games you've played and are looking to play, and it's just a, an odd catalog that doesn't include a lot of big hits, uh, old old big hits, because it's not day and date stuff with Sony first party stuff. It is going to get stray day and date, which is also weird because again, it's like well, there's going to be a game day and date some <laughs> stuff, hopefully but not the beginning all this stuff. of more.
0: Hopefully, hopefully that's hopefully. the first of many, but we don't know. Mm -hmm. Hopefully the beginning of more.
1: Um, And then even the back catalog stuff, as I didn't know off the top of my head, and I didn't have the, the fact sheet in front of me as Brendan informed me of the PlayStation 2 games where it's like, there are some, but not all of them. And same with PlayStation 1. It's not as if here's a full catalog of PlayStation 1 games. And then the other thing that I think is super interesting about the service, and I think it's kind of just how the PlayStation console backend is built, is this idea of streaming. And, and and what games are available via streaming and what aren't. So I will use Assassin's Creed um, Valhalla as my example for that. So when you go into Assassin's Creed Valhalla, there's a PS4 and a PS5 icon next to it, which is like there's a the PS4 version of the game is available. The PS5 version of the game is available. You can download them and play them. You can also stream the game. Okay, so I'll go in and let's try the streaming for this current gen game. Nowhere... Readily apparent does it tell you that when you're streaming it, you're just going to get the PS4 version of the game. Like Mm -hmm. you look at it and it says it's a PS5 game, but you don't stream the PS5 game. You can opt to download it, but not have it Uh, as to stream. And while Ubisoft does a good job with cloud saves across their UPlay account, there's no guarantee that every game you're going to be playing that way does that. So sometimes you'll go into a game to stream it and you've created this stream instance. (laughs) of a ps4 game that then if you've downloaded the ps5 game would require a save transfer unless because but you're in a cloud save because so there's all these like things that as i'm trying to explain it succinctly i still can't explain succinctly you made that clear which is thank you <laughs> which is better than the way the sys the services is, is explained yeah which i think is just so frustrating it just, just feels it like these caveats
0: these things are uh, ad hoc you know they're just sort of yes. clamped on to existing structures instead of built from the ground up to be easy and smooth and make sense you can
2: see the boardroom of people demanding that all these things get smashed together yeah but I, I would say the rollout has felt a lot like that that scene from the office where kevin is walking in with the big uh, pot of baked beans or chili or whatever it is uh it's just that It's taken like eight times as long for him to drop the chili in this case. It it wasn't an immediate trip and fall. It's been like, oh, is he going to do it? Is he going to do it? Oh, yeah, he he did. The beans are everywhere.
0: I just also (laughs) want to say for the people that were yelling at me, Uplay is the front end. Ubisoft Plus is the subscription Ah, service. A distinction in search of meaning.
1: (laughs) Yes, Uh, (laughs) uh, so obvious. It was right there. It was right there for all of us. Um, But then I did put away my PS3, which I had just taken out whatever this was, you know, two months ago to revisit some of those games, because those games that I was playing are available via streaming and I was restarting them. So it doesn't matter that I don't have my PS3 saves because you're not going to get those. Those don't carry over. But infamous, this infamous series is on there. Resistance is on there. God of War Ascension is on there. And on my good, but not, you know, fiber internet. They were a great experience. And PS3 era games are also of the age that I'm like, is that, uh, am I getting some artifacting because I'm playing it streaming or is it just a PS3 game? <laughs> you know, it's not, it, it's a, it's a little blurry. It's blurry and Brown. It's a PS3 game. Yeah. Um. And so that it didn't bother me to, to have it that way. And so to put a bow on it, this service is fantastic. If you are a PS5 owner and there are PS5 mm. games you want to play, then look at the other stuff. It is not an instant recommend, and that bums me out because I really want it to be. It mm-hmm. could be it's just so messy right now that we just don't quite get there. It's so interesting that
2: you know th- there's been kind of like a hardware shortage of the PlayStation 5, and I feel like a lot of people who are still in wait uh, trying to pick one up will eventually pick one up. And the fact that this service is there for them kind of actually puts them in a better position than like I was when I got one on launch day and had to buy all these games separately for $70 each. Um, it's yeah. kind of nice in, in that way uh, for the people who are coming to the console a little bit later.
1: Yeah. yeah. Great point.
0: Well, uh, as with all of these things, it will continue to evolve and uh, hopefully it will become more, but again, it, it just feels like these things are just glance, you know, uh, built in the basement you know they're not they Mm -hmm. don't seem to be uh cohesive and and that's why you that's what you wanted out of something like a stadia where it's like oh it's all built from the ground up and then that didn't even work that great (laughs) but again it's it's cobbled together because you're dealing with all these third parties you have something like a ubisoft plus it's a little smoother because you go oh hey we're a company we put all these games we can just put them all on the service there doesn't have to be all these
1: third parties game passes third it's hard because that's that's the gorilla you compare it to that's That's the hard part that's the hard part it's got to live up to that
0: All right, well, that's the games that we have been playing this week, and that's our show. We do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for those. Brendan Bigley, thank you so much for being here, man. It was awesome having you.
2: Yeah, thank you guys so much. This has been a dream come true adjacent. I would say. (laughs) Not actual dream. (laughs) Uh, Jason, I'll take it, I'll take it. Um, (laughs) Tell the folks where they can keep
0: up with you and all the cool stuff you do online.
2: Yeah, totally. Um, I'm available on the internet uh, at Brendan Bigley in most places, brendanbigley.com as well. A beautiful Squarespace website, I hmm, should say. There you go. Um, and on top of that, I also co host Into the Aether. It's a low key video game podcast that you can find at intothecast.online and into the cast on pretty much all platforms. Um, and uh, that's pretty much it. Awesome. Very cool. Christian Spicer, what do you got going on this week?
1: I have a newsletter where I write long form about video games. You can subscribe to it for free at tinyletter.com slash Christian Spicer. I also do video versions of that newsletter at some point later that you can get access to by becoming a patron of this very show here, DLC, at patreon.com slash pod, where you can also get a video version of what you're hearing right now and paid DLC and so many other fun, cool things. So head over there and check it out.
0: We're making a big push toward a thousand patrons. I think we can get there. Uh, patreon.com slash D L C pod, a great way to make sure this show gets to continue and you get cool stuff in return. So check it out. Like Christian has been adding all kinds of cool bonus stuff, uh, as well. And we continue to try to add value to that subscription. So please do check it out. Uh, you can follow me online. I'm at Jeff Canada, which is spelled with two N's and one T on Twitter. Uh, and I have other shows. I do the film cast, uh, talking about movies and TV shows, the film cast, wherever you get podcasts. I do a comedy science show called We Have Concerns. Also, wherever you get podcasts, or at wehaveconcerns.com. And I um, uh, also do, what else do I do? I don't know. Other stuff. I have, a fan control show is going to come back pretty soon. Uh, talking about the hoops. We're doing basketball next, a fan control basketball. This has been announced. So I'm very excited. Hopefully I'll be, involved in that in the fall uh, hopefully that happens um i don't know if i was
1: supposed to say when but uh, it's, it's, uh, loose target dates bank well, control they, date's they, they talked cool. about it i've seen it not it's gonna be you. awesome it's okay
0: it's gonna be so awesome wait until you guys see what they're doing it's so cool uh, okay let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts hey give us a suggestion Brendan, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week?
2: Absolutely, I do. Uh, I realized, over I had not heard about this at all, but realized over the weekend that Netflix had acquired and then rebooted Iron Chef, uh, which is a show that I really loved when I was like homesick in high school. Uh, <laughs> and uh, over the past couple of years, I've gotten very, very, very much into cooking. And uh, my parting gift, my big recommendation, make an extravagant meal. Try and make something you've never made before sit down and watch the new Iron Chef because there's nothing better than watching culinary wizards knock it out of the park while you also eat a thing that was difficult to make. Uh, It's a great experience. I can't recommend
0: it highly enough. I have one question for the reboot having not watched it. Uh, Mm. Does it start with a man taking a big bite out of a bell pepper?
2: You know what? I don't want to spoil that for you, Jeff. (laughs) You're just going to have to find out, but I think you're going to be very happy.
0: Very excited! Check this out. Very important. Uh, it I always b- baffled me as a kid. It's like, does he think it's an apple?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, Christian Spicer, what is your parting gift?
1: I mean, that Netflix Iron Chef game, mobile game, is mere moments away, right? Like it's, <laughs> it's there already. Uh, Vance Joy put out a new album in our own sweet time. Vance Joy is um, Australian. It's kind of singer songwriter folk pop. It's just happy music about... A lot of it's about love that's still in bloom, which I find very refreshing because so many love songs are about love that's lost and heartbreak. And this is often about loving people in that moment, which I think we can all use a little more of.
0: That's great. Vance joys in our own sweet time. Very cool. Uh, I am going to recommend something for my parting gift. I am shocked I'm recommending because I thought for sure it was going to be terrible. And I thought for (laughs) sure I would hate it. And in fact, I didn't even think I was going to watch it. But my friend Dave Chen texted me and said, hey, did you know that the show Players on Paramount Plus is from the same team that did American Vandal? And I responded with, I did not know that, but I love American Vandal, which, hey, side parting gift. If you haven't seen American Vandal seasons one and two, do not hesitate. It's genius, genius level parody and satire but Players don't make a fancy under-
1: meal and watch season 2. <laughs> no, like, definitely don't eat not. while you watch season 2 of Van.
0: <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That's for sure. <laughs> a lot,
1: there's a lot
0: of scatological humor in the second <laughs> one. Um, but uh Players is a show about esports. It's a it's a scripted show about esports. And there's been a number of those that have been attempted and they've all been in my opinion very bad. Uh and this one I thought probably was going to be very bad as well. I watched three episodes last night. Four are currently out. Uh, I watched three of the four last night, back to back. I really like this show. It is not, it's It's funny, but it's not the same funny as American Vandal, which is like genius level, Like as I said, satire. This is actually just a solid analysis of the kinds of personalities that are in esports. And I would venture to say This is the best show about video games that has ever been made. The best show about what it's like to be in those cultures. It nails how they talk. And it doesn't, I mean, some of the humor is like, what they're saying sounds like gibberish. Because oftentimes the kinds of things we all say in our little subculture of video games sounds like gibberish to people, you know.
1: As uh, opposed to running the post to get to the flank to propagate under the goalpost of the fort. You know, it's all gibberish, right? Yeah, you,
0: you know we, we attacked mid and we we went boss instead of you know it's like all that stuff that but if you've played these games it's about League of Legends if you've played a League of Legends or any MOBA or, or even just video games in general you're you get it and it's not it's not like hey listen to the nerds talk you know that that's not the joke joke at any point it's literally authentically presenting this lifestyle it's really good it's really good I'm shocked uh, I, I guess I shouldn't be because it's the team behind American Vandal. But players on Paramount Plus, thumbs up from me. That'll get me to subscribe. Honestly, it, 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 I mean, you can get that a week free
2: and just Very binge it. Both.
0: Yeah, <laughs> the Star Trek stuff not worth <laughs> subscribing, in my opinion. uh That's what I subscribed for. But hey, there's got a best the cool video stuff.
1: game show on Paramount Plus. Starts with a P, not an H. Not just an H. Yeah, exactly.
0: Okay, we got a listener suggested parting gift. This was sent to us at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. This was sent by Trent Finney from Canada. Trent writes, Last week, I went ahead and bought myself a birthday present, though my birthday isn't until July. A new keyboard, Logitech G915. It's ridiculous and awesome, and that's not why I'm writing to you. (laughs) I bought the keyboard on Amazon, and it came with a trial of Amazon Prime. I started sifting through all the free stuff on Prime Video and Prime Gaming. And then I was delighted to find Prime Reading. Amazon is such a ubiquitous behemoth now that I'd actually forgotten it started as a marketplace for books. Anyhow, among the 1,000 plus books that are free to read on Prime Reading, I found a comic called Clear by former Batman writer Scott Snyder. I was instantly pulled in by this sci-fi premise. In the near future, the internet has become integrated directly into human psychology making our eyes the screens. At the same time, a series of disasters and recessions have made people universal, universally miserable. The economy is now dominated by the production of veils, which completely modify what people see, changing their bleak surroundings into something more palatable. The main character is a detective fighting against the illegal veil black market. The title clear comes from the fact that he is one of the only people who choose to keep their veil clear and, and see the world as it really is. I don't want to spoil where the plot goes, but it was a wild ride, and I highly recommend it. Keep up the good work, Trent. Thanks, Trent. Again, that is called Clear by Scott Snyder, and evidently, if you've got Amazon Prime, you've already got access to it. So, great recommendation. Thank you, Trent, for sending that in. If you'd like to have your parting gift read on our show, send it to us. dlcfeedback at gmail.com is where you send those. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Brendan Bigley and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star. Our theme song was created by White Cube, which is Jason Sherry and T. Ryan Arnold.
1: And before we go, of course, we need to thank our Hype Train patrons, those folks who keep this show chug, 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 chute chewing along the track so i'm gonna do that right now clifton satterfield taylor wiggert josh peak nick strauss klein michael stadler jackson travis soren silk yick zachary white nate total sidebar my oldest has been reading the big nate comic graphic novels non-stop all the time anyway loves them loves them jenny i don't i don't have a graphic novel uh that my kid's reading with the name Jenny. Okay, I'm gonna stop. Scott Hughes, Neil Shaw, Jimmy Radcliffe, Mitchell Ness, Jeff Lucksack, Matt Bradley, Victor Valenzuela, Cheesy Bob, Hank Patton, Rob Rixman, Riley Knox, Kyle Starr, Michael S, Relentless Rex, Curtis from Louisville, Comedian, Aaron Trahan, Jason Novak, Octavian Ratziou, Christian Bravery, Jad, Peter Olberg, Slag the Shama Henny, Michael Buck, Mike Lombardo, The Spiceman, Silencer, who worked this episode. There's zero, zero Spiceman, zero Spiceman on this episode. Albert, Virgil de Dios, Jonathan, The Spiceman Forever, Sheplefer, I'm sorry to have disappointed you, this episode. <laughs> Stu Goss, Kevin Brazzle. Ben. Dan Palmino. Malcolm King. Mark Gowland. Jonathan Putney. Will. With 1L Harris. Chris Zacharias. Jonathan Talbert. Scooby Diesel. Adam Denby. Sasan. Dan Flanagan. Anthony Goulas. Andy Joyce. Matt Valdez. John Sisko. Choo. Choo.
0: All right. That's it. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next
2: week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.